This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted pride of West London podcast. And you can see I'm feeling sprightly. I've had an international break. That's really strange, this Premier League business. You don't actually play any football in the Premier League. We just got going and said, hold on a second, it's time for a holiday. So uh, we've gone on holiday. The players have gone on holiday. I think the fan, everyone's gone on holiday. But now we're back because we've got a few more matches to play, because we need to survive in this Premier League. And I'll tell you something, it is so hot outside. We were going to go to the pub, we are going to go down the Globe and have a few beers and record, but we just thought it's so hot, and I was absolutely, I was cream-crackered, as they say, knackered. So we've decided to return to our place, the virtual joint. And we're going to hang out here. My name's Billy Grant, and I'm here with the Laney man. Laney, how are you? Yeah, very good, Bill. Very good. Uh... Been odd not having football over the last last week or so. I know it's been international stuff, but uh, just got back into the flow of watching the bees and really getting excited about how the Premiership season started and then for it to just kind of stop abruptly. Um, but looking forward to uh, Brighton at the weekend and then uh, the next run of results. So, uh, yeah, bring it, bring it on, Bill. Bring it on. We've got GP in the house. Gary Paul, his first podcast of the season. How's it feel, GP? Yeah, well, as I said, I've um, you know dusted the old cobwebs off, mate, and I'm back in the saddle again. That's good. Actually, to see you riding, riding the good ship Brentford, as they say. So listen, let's just crack straight on because we actually, if you remember, God, it's just it goes to show you, it's so long ago it seems like. But we 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 finished that season off like I said to you, we had a game up at Aston Villa, which is a great day out. Great day at Aston Villa, one all draw, which we might talk about a little bit later in in talking about the Brighton game as well. But after that came deadline day um, and we had deadline day where we were trying to work out I figured a podcast that we did we did the post filler podcast we were trying to work out exactly what we thought we might have needed to have uh, completed our squad and uh, things didn't quite go according to plan did they lady well we, we actually thought we were going to do like a, a, a transfer deadline day special podcast but it's a good job we didn't because we would have had pretty much nothing to talk about it was one of the quietest deadline days I can remember um, the only kind of anything of note that happened was Halil Dervisoglu um, went, went to Turkey on a, on a season long loan he went back to Galatasaray 
Um, there was talk of him going to Fenerbahce. So there was there was a lot. There was a few clubs in in for in for Halil. Um, so yeah, obviously I'd, we, we'd spoken about how well he'd played in the in the couple of games that we'd seen him. The, you know, the, the friendly, um, <clears throat> uh, the last the last like friendly at Griffin um, at New Griffin Park, and then obviously the uh, Forest Green Rovers match. Um, and, and I and I I think you know it's, I, I'm, I'm a bit sad to see him go. I, I, if I'm honest with you, because I think he is a good player to have on the bench to come on. He's he looks a classy player. Um, in the in the sort of the limited opportunities that we'd seen him this season, um, he scored for Turkey, I believe, in in um, at the weekend. So yeah, he, he's a, he's a star rising. But apart from that, we were, I think, word on the street was expecting a right back bill, and that didn't happen. And there's a bit of chatter about whether whether we're. Um, equipped, we you know we've got enough cover there. A lot of people think we are. I'm probably in that in that camp, um, but um, I was expecting probably a uh, a kind of like an experienced Dalsgard esque specialist in that in that area to come in just to make sure that we had all bases covered. Are you were you surprised, Bill? Uh, I was a little bit surprised because, like I said, the, you know it was a it was a, it was a position that we needed, but then all, at the other hand, you know, I mean. We know um, Canos has come in, he's played in that position, and we know, yes, he's not a right back, and there's been situations where he's been exposed as such, but also, he's actually played very well, and he's done some things that are very good. And I think that, you know, I think we're probably in the position where um, maybe if you compare it to maybe last season when you had Rico Henry, and then you were looking for a substitute, if you had to have a long term substitute for Rico Henry, and we had uh, Mads Beck Sorensen, who, listen, he's a great player. But, you know, everyone would say that they prefer Mads Beck playing in, in centre as opposed to playing at left back. And he did a, a decent enough job at left back as well. But I think that they and even I feel more comfortable with what we've got as right back and right back cover than what we did when we had left back cover, if that makes sense. We've got, obviously, we've got Mads, we've got, um, we've got Roslev as well. We've got, we've got Canos as well. And we've also got Finn Stevens, who is, uh, like I said to you, came up from Irving and he's properly highly rated. A really, really good player. OK, still, you're saying, do you want to throw him up against, uh, you know, Premier League uh, att- attackers? But, you know, he, he's a good prospect. And if you're talking about a third place player, in there you know maybe the club think actually you know he's good enough if we need him for a period of time so yes I would have preferred to have got someone who is you know can do the job but you know sometimes these players come in and surprise yeah, us yeah and I they? just have to say you know there's a really good article um, on Besotted this week and you know it went through the options uh, right back and there's obviously we, we shouldn't forget we have got Tarek Fosu um, who didn't go anywhere on deadline day um, he has played in that position um, as cover, but he, he hasn't really ever let us down there. And if we were to change formation and play a four at the back, we've um, we've got Christopher Ayer, who who has played in uh, as a, as a right back for Celtic. So, you know, we have got bodies there, but it's whether we have that kind of like international standard uh, uh, specialist. Um, but maybe we'll be looking at that in January. Um, I, th- I think we're I think we've got enough cover there to to get us through the next couple of uh, um, fixture rounds. I think one actually one of the players that we were looking for, and again, forgive me if I was wrong, because I haven't got my notes in front of me. But I think it might have been a Brazilian player. But again, I'm not 100 percent sure. I think that maybe we are targeting it for January. I think that may have to do with when the Brazilian season maybe starts and finishes. And also, we have to remember uh, work permits take a lot longer now to get. Whether or not it's cucumber 
coming from Europe or if it's you coming from elsewhere. So we've actually having to get involved in trying to get these work permits and we've never really done this before and we're kind of getting into the flow of doing that. So things are taking a lot longer. But I have to admit, when I saw Phil Giles, when he talked about the, the window, he looked actually quite a little bit guided and probably a little bit frustrated. So I think that things that are meant to be coming in, you know, haven't come in and I haven't sort of done me at the due diligence as it is to just check it out because I went on total chill during this international window time so I, I, I haven't really sort of kind of done a bit sniffing around but like I said to you I think that maybe we expected to get one or two things in more than we did but we're still comfortable enough because you know we're doing all right I think the only thing we just need to worry about is injuries but talking about international uh, window and international week GP I mean there's a number of games out there internationally because there's no league games unless you were looking at the lower leagues as it is which we're not part of at the moment now GP anything that took your fancy that you were checking out over the international break no, I mean, I, I, I mean, I looked to see. Um, obviously, I, was, I saw that Pinnock. I don't think he played in the Mexico game. No, so Jamaica played Mexico in their first match, and uh, Pinnock didn't play, and neither did any of the English players play in that game. Did they? Did it? Did they? No, that, no, that's right. And as, as I said, I assume that's because um, Mexico must be red list. Um, so, having seen, I wasn't expecting to see Pinnock play um, against Panama um, in Jamaica, but he, but yeah, he actually did, and they ended up losing. Was it three three nil? I think they lost. So, not the best result for them. But that's not. That's not. Yeah. So it's Antonio played for that as well. You know, and sort of quite a few players were back for that game that didn't play for the Panama game. So, I yeah. uh, I didn't expect I didn't expect to see Pinnock playing in that as well. So yeah, he's back in the fold at Jamaica, and uh, I think they've probably forgiven him because the fans weren't happy that he didn't play in the Gold Cup. Uh, over in America during the summer because it, it clashed with our pre-season as well. Um, any any other internationals? I mean, I've noticed that, like I said, Finn Stevens, and it just goes to show you that kid. I mean, I, I watched Worthing in the summer. Great play, some great football. It's surprising they're not doing so well in the league, but it's still early days, actually. But Finn Stevens and Joe Adams played for Wales under-21s. They beat them 4-0. Um, Joe Adams mm-hmm. actually uh, set up a... He got an assist, actually, which is oh, great. Nice. But the, the rise of Finn Stevens from... Worthing to playing for Wales under 21 in a very short space of time I think goes to show you what kind of talent that we've got there as well and Mads Bidrup as well he played for Denmark under 21s uh, they had a 1-0 win over Kazakhstan and uh, Laney knows all about Kazakhstan don't you Laney? Oh yeah this sounds like a dodgy story that's right, there was one. That's right. so uh, yeah so we got that as well and also you know what else what else do we have as well we had uh, of course Denmark we always get the Denmark players yeah they played last Denmark. night didn't they I think um, I think um, Christian came on late on, didn't he? And I, I don't think um, Jensen got a run out. So I'm not be funny. That does that does suit me. Yeah, no. I was thinking exactly the same, GP. That how how much it does suit us. You know, I watched um, I watched the Denmark Faroe Islands game on Saturday, um, and uh, Jensen and Norgard featured heavily in that game. Um, and you know, they, but they both look good. Um, uh, uh, credit to the Faroe Islands, they they pushed them all the way. Uh, they looked a decent team actually, um, but uh, they, they very they seem to be very much second string Denmark choice. Uh, which um, I actually, you know, as, as you just alluded to, I think it suits mm-hmm. us because. They're not gonna. I don't think they're gonna be uh, thrust into the into the sort of like the games that matter. I'm not saying they're not good enough for those. We know they are, but they, they there's a good chance of them coming back uh, less less burnt out, as it were. Um, so you know, so again, that suits us. 
I think you outdid me there, Laney, actually, because you talking about going, watching Denmark versus uh, whoever it was. I, I, I was actually watching, what's it, Armenia versus Liechtenstein a little bit earlier, and I watched it from the very first minute. So I think these are the things that you do in the international window. GP? Do you think there's somebody in our um, scouting team that's just sitting there thinking, sitting there thinking, I've got to sit there and watch this game? But I'll be versus Liechtenstein, see if we can pick up any, any gems. Well, Glenn Hoddle was commentating on it, which I thought was really, really odd. I thought, it was on, my son had put it on, and I was like, that's Glenn Hoddle. This is Armenia Liechtenstein. What the hell is he commentating on this? He doesn't need, you know. He's obviously, yeah, I, see, you know I assume they're doing it from a studio, so maybe he's doing double duty. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And also, obviously, like as an international window, we've had, what's it, we've had a... Oh yeah, a couple of England, England games already. We had they, they played Hungary. I was meant to go Hungary actually. I was going to go there with, with my daughter, but obviously they wouldn't allow us to go. They didn't get any tickets. But a few of my mates win. Actually, it was an interesting few days that they had out there with the Hungarian racists, like you know. And uh, I don't like tiring everyone with a with a with a, with a with a with a large brush, but they do have quite a lot of racists wearing black shirts behind the goal. Um, so yeah, I'm actually quite glad I didn't go to Hungary in the end. And uh, and then um and then probably the right call. What's that? Yeah. And um, and also England played on Sunday, so I went to. Uh, I actually had a double bubble football weekend. I actually went non-league. I went to Wingate and Finchley on Saturday afternoon, which was actually quite pleasant. Um, uh, it's, well, it's actually quite very Brentford. Where I went to the game, and uh, just as I walked through the turnstile, like the, the, literally goal went in the back of the net. So I kind of missed that. And we went through the whole game. Me and my daughter going, "Oh, right, that's all right." From Wingate, chat to them, chat to the owner, and everyone like that, talking about you know Wingate. You know, I said that's not bad. You're in the hat, and he kept on moaning. He's going, "Bloody, I'm going to give him a right rollicking." this that and the other and I was going but you're in the hat you're fine and it literally wasn't until I looked on the phone to this morning and I saw the FA Cup replays today and Wingate are in it and they actually drew one all I left the match thinking that they'd actually won so I thought that's <laughs> that's quite typical old school Brentford because that, that used to happen quite yeah. quite a lot in the days you know so which is all good but yeah the, day, the days the days before we had the old scoreboard <laughs> that's right that's right I tell you something as well because um Obviously, I mean, I went to non-league games, but there were also games happening in the lower leagues. And uh, we also had a, a Bees player who was playing in uh, Division 1, Aaron Presley. And he scored another couple of goals, a brace for AFC Wimbledon in their 5-3 win over Pompey. And apparently the atmosphere was fantastic, really good atmosphere. And um, he was very good. And everyone's going, listen, Aaron Presley, I think they're, they're tipping their hat to him. So uh, we may actually have to, I might have to talk to a few AFC Wimbledon fans to actually get a, a bird's eye view of our Presley's doing because it, it offers us a little bit of an alternative there, doesn't it, uh, Laney? If he if he starts to become match ready, yeah, it's it's a step up from the B team. He's obviously he's done he's done well at the B team level. Uh, there's obviously clearly no route into a Premiership Brentford team for him at the moment, uh, and a, a decent loan spell with uh, not so much guaranteed minutes, but almost guaranteed minutes. Uh, in you know in the lower leagues is is exactly what he needs um, on his on his development. Uh, you know it's a it's a big ask now to come straight out of the B team into into a Brentford uh, you know Premiership uh, survival scrap, which it, you know it is until <laughs> it is it isn't. And uh, you know we, we're we're looking for international standard players, not not sort of B team 
players at, at the moment. But uh, yeah, there's no reason that he can't go there and then come back and then you know be bench bench ready. So you know, I, I hope he he sees his opportunity. It's a great club. Um, Marcus Force had a, had a really good time there. Um, Masbeck Sorensen had a really good time there. So it's it's you know it's it's a very good uh, um, local uh, route for Brentford players to get experience. Yeah, talk, I mean, talk about, you know, set yourself up as a hero as well. I mean, one of our crew, Jay, who sits in the uh, North Stand, he is, he was telling us about how this, uh, he, was, he went to the game, he went to the Forest Green game. And as you know, there's all sorts of fans from all over the place come from that game that can get a ticket and want to check out a stadium. And he said behind him was this absolutely rabid Marcus Force fan. He was a Wimbledon fan and he just turned up to see Marcus Force and he wouldn't stop going on about Marcus Force. He was singing, shouting, jumping up and down. And when he scored, this guy was literally on his seat, jumping, just going absolutely. Potty, so it just goes to show you how <laughs> how we send these players to other 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 climbs, and people actually start to really adore them. But anyway, listen, we're playing Brighton on Saturday, and uh, there's there's a good opportunity for some people to know their history because if you know your history, as you say, there's a museum that's opening down in Brentford, isn't it, Laney? Yep, there's a there's a Brentford. Well, it's a it's a fans' memories of Griffin Park uh, museum um, ex- exhibition that's part of the Brentford Steam Museum, and it's uh, it's open every day between ten and four, I believe. Um, but on ma- on Brentford home match days, uh, season ticket holders uh, get in for a fiver. So is the incentive is to get to the Steam Museum um, nice and early, get round and see the the Brentford Man Cave. And uh, there's oh, the fan cave, and there's uh, lots of photographs, lots of artifacts, lots of really good memories um, of Griffin Park and you know the, the Brentford fan involvement in the football club. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to go before the uh, the Arsenal match, which was the opening, because there was just so much going on. <clears throat> so I, th- I think I will go down there before the match on uh, on Saturday, nice and early, as I say. Um, I just encourage as as many Brentford fans to do that as as is possible because there's a lot of hard work gone into that by by Bees United and the club have backed it. Um, a lot of people have donated or, or loaned, um, you know, memorabilia or, or collections, uh, and it's yeah, you, you know, there's um, Sav's um, digital works. Um, push up Brentford documentary is is shown constantly. Um, you know you can sit and watch that. Uh, it's just just a really positive, nice wallowing in nostalgia. And then obviously you can go and have a beer, go and get some lunch, and go and see new Brentford play. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a it's a it's a it's a really good exhibition. And as I said, as many Brentford fans to take advantage of it this season as is possible. Okay, that sounds great. And uh, listen, also we've got, um, like I said, that's at the Steam Museum, which is literally a, a, a stone's throw from the new stadium as you start walking down um, um, the high street towards uh, Griffin Park, as it is. It's just on the corner there, so definitely check that out. JP, I know that you know there was a few problems at the Forest Green game with people getting in. Um, um, Saturday's going to be interesting because they're, they're putting a few new checks in on Saturday to, to ensure that, well, for a start, they, they want people to be safe when they're going into the ground. But also there's probably could be sort of con- Controversial because I know not everyone's going to be overly um, um, giving thumbs up to the checks that they're putting in, but it just depends on which side of the fence you're on. Isn't that right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're coming in with the COVID checks. Um, well, they did say they're not COVID passports. Even. Yeah, exactly. Well, they have said they're not going to be turning people away, um, and this is more or less like a dummy run for what's going to be coming in the future. So people are going to have to prove 
that they've been jabbed or they may have to take a test or prove that they've taken a test within the last 48 hours. So there's a lot of things going on and I know that not everybody has, not everybody subscribes to what they're doing in, in order to keep, to keep people safe. But if you're going to want to go to Brentford in the um, future, you might have to play ball. So, so that's quite interesting. And the thing is, I think for us, we're thinking about the queuing system because that shocked me when we came for the Forest Green game, which is inverted commas, just Forest Green, with all due respect to Forest Green. And I'm not disrespecting them at all. I'm just saying we, you know, when we used to play teams like Forest Green, when we were similar to Forest Green back in the day, we'd get 2,000 fans. But you know, to get like 10, 11,000 fans for Forest Green was like, whoa, what's going on here? So the queues around the block did amaze us. So I think the fear for a lot of fans is that there's going to be queuing around the blocks, isn't it, Laney? Yeah, I think they need to test the uh, the turnstiles as much as they do as the people, you know, much as they do the people going through them. Um, you know, it's, it's both both in my opinion uh, are, are important, but you know the the technology did let us down a little bit on that Forest Green Rovers game. I hope in the two weeks that have uh, transpired since then, they've uh, they've got the IT and the ticketing system people in there, and they've properly tested um, that because if 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 that happens again on a capacity day it's going to be carnage yeah 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 and 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 the, and the word on the street is actually, well, the word on the street is that, you know, what the official word is that, you know, it's got to do with the IP and it's got to do with the, the ticket information in the cloud and certain turnstiles, apparently the IP of those turnstiles, it didn't match, it didn't marry with the tickets in the crowd. So the information that was in the sky somewhere in the cloud, it couldn't get back down to the turnstiles and that's why certain turnstiles weren't operating. GP? I'm hoping that more of the operational issues are, have, have been ironed out because when I went to the Arsenal game, there was a massive queue for the tur- turnstiles with two turnstiles to the side which were empty and nobody being directed there again when I was queuing it you know nobody really knew because the first time a lot of people have been there they didn't really know where to queue and where to go for a lot of things which did slow things down yeah yeah again and I've been again I've been chatting besides I've been in chat with with the club about these things and they they're aware of these things and they understand that there are certain areas that people didn't know and they do know it's very early days so they're going to sort that out one other thing that I actually wanted to just get in before before we have a little break we go off have a couple of drinks and they come back again safe standing I think that we might be seeing safe standing at Brentford a lot sooner than everyone thinks and uh, and it's got to do with the fact that we're all standing and the fact that we're standing I think they've the, 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 everyone's realized that it's actually probably better for you to be safe standing than not uh, you know, to be to, to be all over the place or standing in seats that are there so I think that we might be seeing safe standing going in at Brentford a lot sooner than we can think like I said you've heard it here on Besotted pretty much I would say first but you've heard it here on Besotted where we're saying to, you know we're saying that there's there are definitely things going on in place because it's ridiculous where people have to stand up when they're in seats and we are standing up and there and, and it's happening at Liverpool it's happening at other places and that I think they've started to realise it's much safer for you to be standing in a safe standing environment than anywhere else. So I think it's all been priced up and it's all looking hunky-dory. And I think within the next 12 months or even less than that, there will be safe standing at Griffin Park. But anyway. Oh, I reckon I reckon within the month, Bill, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have sampled safe standing, don't you? That's right. That's right. West Ham away. West Ham away. That's right. So listen, anyway, we're going to have a little break. We're going to have a drink. We're going to come back and we're going to talk some more football so tell you what it's a couple of weeks ago but we were up at Villa great weekend we've talked about it you could check it on the post well weekend recap podcast that we did as well Pride of West dot London we talked about that game actually we recapped it all and we, we were very very happy 
with uh, how we played and the, the Villa fans were very complimentary about how we played. You might not have heard how the, the fans were and how the Villa fans were and the Beast fans. Let's just tell you something because it was so long ago. Thought I'd give you a little bit of a recap. You can go back to those terraces straight after the game and back to the pub after the game. You can hear what the fans thought about what we were like after Villa. Yeah, good result, good team performance. I don't think anyone had a bad game. Several players had a above average game. Can't knock anyone at all. Great for Tony to get a goal. Really happy with the performance. Uh, we're having that. We're definitely having that. I think we matched the man for man. Fantastic performance, really good. Um, we had a couple of good golden opportunities. I'm, I'm, I'm fought to win the game, but unfortunately we didn't. But uh, Raya was the man at the back as well. I thought Ings looked dangerous, much better than anything Arsenal had up top against us. And I thought we, we defended brilliantly today. And, you know, how we should have got the goal just before half-time. Difficult to ask a left-back who doesn't score goals to score goals, but that one was presented. I just thought this was a, a much better test of what we're going to be up against in, our, in this league. And I thought it was a, a really solid performance. And, and I'm disappointed we didn't get the win. But I, I, I enjoyed it as a day out. I feel more confident after this week than last week that we're going to have what it takes to stay in this division. Well, Ollie Watkins is a delight. It was great to see him kind of back on the, back on the pitch. Buendia, um, I, I, he needs to settle in and he will be, he'll be a quality player. You can, you, he, he needs to get back up to fitness. It was a nice test for everybody. Your fans did everybody proud. They were loud. Loud and proud. Louder than Newcastle. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. So, so you did. It was great. You were a great credit. Well, to be fair, I think you were the better side. All you, thought you'd come, played a good game plan. I thought midfield, you, won, you, you beat us in midfield. I think if we had a couple of other players back, McGinn, Mings, it may have made us stronger, may have made a difference to the game. But on the whole, I thought you, you did really well and I wish you the best for the rest of the season. I think from what I've seen, you've got the, the ability to stay up. It is, it is difficult and you will have a rocky road along the way. But I think you guys, you'll be fine. You'll be in the Premier League next year. You, I think you boys did well. We said on the train up, so we live, we're Villa fans, but we live in London. And we, uh, we said we were sitting with some Bees fans on the way out. And we said, actually, a draw against your lot would be, uh, would be a good result. And I think a point each was a, a, a fair result. I think definitely a fair result and yeah you're absolutely right what you say there I think it was good atmosphere both sets of fans we've all had a good time sun's out it was uh, it, it felt good to be back today right it's been a brilliant day it's always good coming up to uh, Aston Villa the, the fans are friendly the, the pub we use the Barton Arms is brilliant um, and we, we don't lose up here so it, it's a, it was a really positive day a bit too hot Bill sunshine it was very hot wasn't it um, oh my word but yeah I thought the bees going into the trans the in, in transfer window, the international break uh, unbeaten. Um, we we'd have taken that literally all day long. Um, it's, it's 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 brilliant, you know. Five points on the board, uh, and you know we scored a, we, we scored another goal today. Ivan Tony's off the mark in the Premier League. That was brilliant to see. Yeah, it, it, it it's all good. I mean, I wasn't sure what would happen when we came up, but we. We kind of figured we're going to come to all the away matches, make the most of it in case we're not here for very long. But I'm taking all that back now. I think we might be here for a little while longer. You bees. You bees. So that's it. It actually brings back quite a few memories. And uh, tell you something, I know we talked about the takeaways. I mean, what was your main takeaway from that Villa game, GP? Um, my main takeaway was that we competed very well. And I've kind of set up, There's, I think, you know, 
there's a two-tier premiership. And we've got to be realistic and see that we're in the second tier. And the two teams we played, it, you know, that result made me think, did we miss a trick? Have we missed a chance at Crystal Palace to take three points? That's okay, so you're thinking that, but what's your, what's your conclusion? Well, my conclusion is that I'm not a lot. I'm a lot more confident in our ability to stay up after seeing that game than I was at the beginning of the season. Um, we've settled down really well. The important thing is we've got to get a, we've got to get points on the board early, like Sheffield United did last year. So, Bill, Bill, Bill you, you said like so you you were left thinking, will we room miss? dropping two points against Palace, you didn't answer what your conclusion was. Are you ruined that we dropped two points or not? Yeah, yeah, I am very, I, you know, I do think that Crystal Palace, it did make me think Crystal Villa were a better side than Crystal Palace and we, we competed with them, you know, with relatively, relative ease. You know, other than, you know, the goal when, you know, two of our players got a little bit of mix up and left a little bit more space. About the only real chance that they had to score they had a couple of half chances when Watkins came on at the end, but we dealt with them very easily. And again, we don't look like we're letting in a lot of goals. I, I think you're being a little bit hard on yourself there as well, because I, although we didn't get maximum points at, at Palace, it was our first away game. <clears throat> and, I, and, I, and I think, you know, it, it was important that we need to feel our way into this season. You know, we, we had the euphoria against Arsenal. Um, and it was, it was, it was. I think it was vital that we we didn't go there and just undo all of that yeah. positives. You know, we we didn't do that. Okay, I mean, you're right. Yeah, you know, in six months' time, we might be thinking, oh, we could have done even better there. But at the time, I think it's literally go there, tippy tap into it. I know we didn't. We you know we went toe to toe with a very physical team. But I think it was about coming away <coughs> um, undefeated still. And then that, that gives us the injection to go to Villa Park. And I think Villa Park was, pro- you could argue that it was our first kind of proper game in the Prem because, you know, Arsenal was, was, a, was a crazy night, you know, um, mm. full of emotion, full of, as I said, you know, that kind of like real deep emotional uh, hairs on arms um, it, it was a soul-searching evening where you were proud of the, the past and you were, you were kind of expectant of the future. It was it was a random night, I, I'd say, and it was a it was an un, un, an unforgettable night. It was an event uh, more than a game. Yeah, and we had to get it out of the way, um, and we got it out of the way with three points. Villa, on the other hand, <clears throat> we went to a team that played, who arguably had a better better team than us, a better squad than us. Um, more experience, um, bigger names. Um, we came away, and we could, we could have won that game as well. I, I, I think so. Yeah, I, I, I think it was a perfect end to those first three matches. Um, we got to go again. That's the interesting thing because we could have nine. We played well enough to have nine points out of nine. Yeah, when I mean, we could have ended up with zero. Um, you know, as well. As well so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because I, I mean, I also spoke to a few Villa fans as well. I actually, I actually, I actually was chatting to one of the coaching staff at Wingate and Finchley. Actually, I think one of the sort of the, the head coaches, and uh, we were just chatting about, and he saw my Brentford badge on, I wore my Brentford, my Brentford, Brentford badge down there with Brentford top, and uh, and he went, oh, Brentford. He goes, I said, you know, and I said, yeah, I'll go home and I wait. And he goes, um, he says, oh, I'm Villa, and I went, you really? I said, I was at Villa last week. He goes, so was I. And then he went to me, he went to be quite honest with you, you were unlucky not to get three points. And he was like, just being honest, you know, so I thought, oh, really? Like, you know, so I think that you know, sometimes we're, we're, we're quite happy. We're so happy to get the point because we want to kind of, 
get survival. It kind of reminds me of our first season in the championship where I remember, I mean, I said, listen, if we can finish, what is it, 20th, you know, or 21st or whatever the position mm. is, 20th, I think it is, I'm going to be absolutely delighted or 19th, I can't remember, you know, I'm going to be delighted if we can finish 19th, like, you know, and we end up bloody making the playoffs and we're like, whoa, where's this all about? So I think we're in that kind of mode at the moment now. We're happy to be there and whatever the result that comes, as long as we get a point here or there, we're happy with it. But other people are seeing things in a different light to, to, to how we're seeing things. So, I mean, looking at the next four games, we've got Brighton, Wolves, Liverpool and West Ham. Without honing down on necessarily single games at all, but I'm just thinking overall, what we you know what you're thinking about? Because this is the next stage of our, our, our lives in the, in the Premier League. You know, we've got four matches till the next international break. Um, uh, they're, they're, you can argue to say they're a much more difficult set of matches than the previous set of matches. But we've also come in here and we kind of know what this is about to a certain extent. So what do you reckon? Personally, I'd, I'd, I'd go same again. You know, um, if, if we can get five, if we can get six points out of those four games, I'd, I'd be delighted. Five, I'd be really happy with. We are going to taste defeat. You know, this, you know, we're not going to come unbeaten all season. Uh, we could do. We could well. No, I'm not. We could do because I'm because we're just not Gary. <laughs> That's why. Um, and uh, you know, Arsenal are the last team to be in, 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 invincibles, weren't they? I don't. I don't think we're quite at that level. I, yeah, everyone was well, saying they yeah, couldn't anyway, do it. But I'm back in the real world. Um, we're not going to go unbeaten all season. Um, and I, 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 yeah, ten, ten points after the first two phases, and then qualifying through to the next round of the uh, the Caribou Cup. I, I think it's pretty good. But six six points would be good if we could win. If we can win, you know, one away and, and one of the home games. Brighton looks more likely than Liverpool, but hey, <laughs> anything's possible. I, I, I agree. I, I agree. Anything's you never possible know. In, in in individual matches. So yeah, I I. I Put, I'd put my hand up and say I'd be happy with five right now. I mean, we t- we're going to talk about Brighton a little bit later. I mean, I've said this before that I thought it's going to be one of the, the more difficult matches. I thought Villa would be one of our more difficult matches, which it has been so far. And I thought Brighton's also going to be one of our more difficult matches because they're another championship team as far as I'm concerned. And this is, with all due respect to Brighton, it's just that you came from the championship like we did. So you probably know more about us than, uh, than most other teams do. You know how to beat us now, to play us, as opposed to Arsenal, who kind of just came and just, well, I don't know if they did any research at all but they, they they obviously if they did they didn't really do it very well so I'm a little bit more worried about Bryant which we'll talk about a little bit later but interestingly Wolves I was talking to actually actually a sort of Man United fan who actually went up to Wolves last week and they played them and I know Man United beat them but he said actually Wolves were really good and actually they were all over Man United and they should have won that game it's just that they couldn't put the ball in the back of the net is it Traore missed a, a few sitters really so I think we, we, we need to be aware that you know we are coming up against a sort of a quite a difficult tranche quite a difficult set of games here haven't haven't wolves, haven't wolves got the highest xg in the league without with the fewest points i think i think they are the i think they they've got the they they created the best chances of of, of any clubs um, but I've got the fewest points, so uh, hopefully that continues. We need to get Will the spreadsheet winker on this one, actually, with his calculator and his machines and his whirring noises, and he'll actually probably come out with that, you know. So, uh, you know, but and interestingly, because what I've noticed is as well, like I said, you're looking at how the teams are. It's uh, teams that were, you know, in the Championship, you know, Leeds United, which were, you know, again, I know some people hate XG, but again, I think it's a really good indicator.
indicator and Leeds were like you know knocking out sort of 2.5 3s 3.5 sometimes even 4s which means they were creating a load of wicked chances and I was just having a glance at Leeds the other day and I was looking at them sort of kind of scraping 1s and 1 and a bit so it goes to show you how the chances that you're getting in this division are fewer and far between if your teams like us I mean Everton teams like Everton are doing really really well at the moment now and they're giving teams a little bit of a run around as Brighton fans will tell you but you know in general for us it's really hard for us to kind of uh, to get these chances so when we do get them and I know it sounds like we're like a broken record we do need to put them in the back of the net I mean I know you talked about I mean Laney you said that you're talking about six points five points uh, GP the next four games where, you know where do you see us or where would you like to see us going points wise again well I'd like to see seven, I mean I'd like to see eight um, I realise I'm being ridiculously optimistic on that one um, but yeah I mean I think if we can get five I'd be satisfied with that three I'd be a bit worried um, I think generally this. I think this game that's coming up on Saturday, we we need to be we need to be winning it. Um, we might have had a bit of you know if we might have had something in the bank if we'd managed to win a couple. Of, you know if we managed to win one of the previous two, but I think we need to really look at winning this because West Ham is tough. But then again, you know you might get something at West Ham. It depends. They can be you know they can be a bit flaky at home. Um, Wolves again. You can get you know no reason why we can't pick up something. Liverpool's Liverpool's going to be another event like Arsenal. So again, you know it's a new thing for Liverpool. Anything could happen. No reason we can't get anything out of that game other than them being very good at football. But um, other than that, you know, I you know eight would be great. I think realistically we're looking at four or five. How about you, Mister J- Mister Grants? Come on, give us give us your give us your uh, your insights into this. No, well, I mean, just I think interestingly, I made a point, you know, and I and I made a point on sort of our little communication ring, as you say it, with characters, and I said, you know, I think Brighton is a must-win game, and it's not because we must win it; it's just because I, I believe that, you know, the way they work it in the club, they look at the games which they think, okay, this was a, this one is a win, this one is a draw, this one is a lose. So if we win a if we draw a game that was put down to lose, that means we're ahead of the ahead of our target, and I think you know when they look at it, when you look at the fact that it's at home. The fact it's against Brighton, and this is not saying that we're going to beat Brighton, but I think if you look at the whole, you know, and you look at the games we've got coming up, we've got Burnley away, which is going to be a really tough game. They're going to just beat us and they're going to be lobbing the ball in the air and it's going to be really hard and they're going to be going really defensive. So that's going to be a hard point. We've got, you know, we've got quite a hard October. So I think that, you know, I'm saying that this game is a must-win game. If we don't win it, it's not a disaster at all. But I think this is this is down as a, as a, as a win game, a must-win game for us. So that if we get it, we're kind of almost like on target or ahead of the game. In fact, at the moment now, we are ahead of the game because I don't think that they would have been put down as a win against Arsenal. I think at the very most, they would have put us down as a draw against Arsenal. You know, maybe a, a, a loss, you know, and against Villa. I think I'd have down for a win. Yeah, well, I'm talking about, you know, the, the, the coaching staff and everything like that who actually have to set their barriers and see where they're going to go. And I just, I think that Arsenal would have been a team where we would have said, you know, Let's go in for a win here. Let's put them down maybe as a draw 
or maybe let's put it down as loss. So the fact that we've got a win against them, it's, we're already three points ahead of where we should be. You know, Aston Villa, um, Crystal Palace, I think probably would have been put down as a draw, even though as the game panned out, I think they're probably a bit gutted because they thought actually we could have got a win there. So we could have been two points ahead of where we thought we would be. So all of a sudden we would have been five points ahead of where we thought we might have been. And then, you know, then you've got the Aston Villa game, which probably was put down as a draw. And I think they were probably happy with that. So, you know, if you're doing that because you're looking ahead at your Liverpools, your West Ham's, your Chelsea's, like, you know, which are coming up, which are going to maybe on paper going to be a little bit more difficult to get your points. For me, I'm looking at this Brighton game saying it's a must win game only because it's like it kind of keeps you in that game of not trying to flip in, trying to be getting points against Manchester City <laughs> and Everton and, and uh, you know, but we're, and, and let's, Liverpool. Let's just foc- and, and focus on these Chelsea. four. Focus on these four, Bill. So, yeah. Huh. So, 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 so I'm doing that. So for me, like I said, you Brighton's a must win. For, and for me, I'm thinking that one, two, three, four. If we got five points out of these, if we got five points out of these, I think we'd be doing, I think we'd be doing all right. And a lot, a lot of people might be disappointed, but I think if we get three points, five, five out of these, uh, these games, I think if we got seven or eight, I think we're, you know, we, we should be going, well, this is, you know, we're hmm. doing very well with ourselves, but I'm not being greedy. Five points out of these uh, four games, and uh, I think we're chugging along quite nicely. Don't forget, and I said to you, I did the, the running down where I think uh, Sheffield United last season took until the 18th of January to get to the same points total as we are on right now. All right, okay, so that's, that's I think it's like so 18 games in. And I think it took West Brom nine games and Fulham seven games or something like that to get the same points we're on now after three games. So what I'm trying to say is that let's just be sensible about it and let's go forward at a nice pace. So I'm not getting too greedy so, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway listen no, 100% yeah, no, agree it's all good so listen talking about getting greedy uh, I'm greedy for a bit of music a bit of funk because we've got JB in the house we haven't seen or heard from JB for a while but he's going to be giving us some musical delights some statistical delights some facts and some funk JB come and sock it to us JB take it away boy Jonathan Birchall here again. Looking back to the Villa game, and the crowd was 42,045. That was our 22nd highest crowd we've ever played in front of for a league game. The last time we had more was the 55,000 at Newcastle in 2016, and prior to that it back to 1952 at Sheffield Wednesday. The game was also Thomas Frank's 150th game in charge, if you exclude that unplayed Bolton game from 2019, and it takes him to 14th place in the club's long-serving manager list. On Saturday, we'll be a month into the season with only three league games played. And we're going to have to be patient this season, as we only have 38 league games, plus perhaps a handful of cup games. Compared to last season when we played 57 in 39 weeks, averaging a game every five days. And certainly there'll be no playoffs this year. Now we turn to Brighton. Although we've never played them in the top tier, we have crossed paths with them many times in the last hundred years. In fact, across all competitions during that period, including the war seasons, we have a quirky set of results against them. We've had games in which we have scored none. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine against them. So there you go, JB, with his fats and his funk. And JB, that Villa game and... I didn't even think about it like that because it was pretty 
it was pretty amazing actually you know when you look at that stadium when it is full like that 42,000 people in that stadium because when we were there before we've never we've never played in front of a crowd that big at Villa I mean I've been there in the semi-final and the crowd was against West Brom and the crowd was 42,000 as well and, and, I, and I stood in the whole end well I stood in every end actually I was quite lucky to basically I've got past to go anywhere in the stadium it was a it was quite a laugh but I, I stood in the whole end and I was like oh this is this is quite impressive but um, it was quite amazing to be in that stadium with 42,000 people in there wasn't it yeah, it was lovely, and we had more at that game than the Villa had at uh, uh, the previous match against Newcastle at home. So, uh, and you know, one of my Villa chums. Um, funny enough, I, I spent the, the the Wednesday night after that game up at Villa Park with a with a with the Berkshire and Berkshire Aston Villa supporters club. Um, they were they were doing an evening with. Um, Gary Shaw and Tony Morley, who won the European Cup with Villa in 1982, and I'm, I'm doing a book at the moment about about that European Cup win. Um, so it was it was an interesting evening spending with them. They were really not happy with Ivan Tony, but I digress. I'll carry on with the game. Um, uh, they they said we were a really a really good football team, and and we're gonna we're gonna do well this season. So uh, yeah, it was it was really interesting to to hear the opponents' views. Um, but uh, yeah, going going back to uh, you know what's coming up next, it's it's just Brighton and no mugs. You know we, we can't be. I don't think taking too much for granted there. You know my Watford friends have said that. You know they scared the bejesus out of them a couple of weeks ago. You impressed with that? So I was very impressed with it. Oh, yeah, so I was absolutely impressed with it. I mean, the one thing I did like is that we weren't 3,000 feet up in the air like we were in that Newcastle <laughs> game like a couple of years ago. But yeah, I mean, you're right there, you know, the whole atmosphere. And again, it was, you know, New Brentford, we turn up at these big places and we actually perform rather than um, getting turned, you know, we're not there to, for a jolly and a day out. We're there to compete with them. That's good. So listen to, so talking about competing, we've got to compete. On Saturday, because we've got Brighton coming down. Brighton are one of the teams that we've played a lot in the past. We've actually we've played them so many. We've played them everywhere. We've played them all over the place. We're going to take a break. We're going to have a drink. We're going to come back and we're going to chat Brighton. So Brighton on Saturday at New Griffin Park, and uh, we played Brighton. When did we play Brighton? God, a few years ago actually. They were quite good actually the last time that we played them. But they've been doing bigger things since they've left us, actually. You know, they've gone up to the Premier League and they know all about the Premier League and they've been playing and they survived in the Premier League as well. So we need to get a little bit more info about Brighton. So we've gone to Graham from the Brighton Rock podcast and he's giving us the lowdown on Brighton. Hello to all Bees fans. My name is Russell Guyver. I'm a Brighton and Hove Albion fan podcaster. I run the Brighton Rock podcast, which I co-host with my mate Peter. We've been doing it since January of last year. Basically, it's the usual stuff, previews, reviews of matches, um, general football information and chat. We also get ex-players on sometimes, and we've had copious numbers of Albion fans on from time to time talking about their own backstories. That's the general remit for the pod. Um, In terms of the Albion, well, we've been in the Premier League now for four years. This is our fifth year. It's great to see that Brentford have followed us up, and you are a very welcome addition to the division, I must say. Really gutter for you when you missed out last year, so superb you're in this time round. In terms of 
what to expect from the Premier League. Well, you've got off to a flying start. Brilliant to see you get the win against Arsenal. From an all-neutrals point of view, that's always great. Um, what the Prem does with the fixture calendar is they'll, they'll tend to give you a good premium game at the beginning. We had that. We had Man City. It was fascinating to come up against a team of such amazing quality. It's what we wanted when we got up into the Prem. That was the main focus. Get up and play the very best and see your players that you've been cheering on through the divisions and uh, yeah, all those times to finally see them come up against a, the absolute best in football is superb. And that's what there is to look forward to with the Premier League, isn't there? I mean, we lost 2-0 to City. We held them for 70 minutes in that first season. And then just two mistakes, two goals, bish-bosh. That's just how good it is. That's the main thing you're going to have to look out for in the Premier League. There are teams who will, if you allow them, and sometimes even if you don't allow them, will be able to pass you off the pitch. Very quick, very incisive passing like you've never seen before live. It's like that sometimes. That's the main thing to worry about. But if you go into it with the right attitude, if you play your game, listen to the tactics of the manager and, and play the right game and play your own game is the main thing and play it with gusto, you can get results. You won't get too many results against the big boys. It's great you've already got one against Arsenal. There will be times during the season where you may lose three, four, five, even six games in a row. Do not fret if that happens. That's what I would say. That would be my advice because it's that kind of a division. It's merciless. You don't get the decisions the big clubs do. VAR, they're modifying it now. But the one thing we know for sure is they're still going to give you very little. The luck and the decisions don't even themselves out. It's absolute rubbish. I've done my own little mini survey on it. We're in deficit by about well, anywhere between 10 and 12 decisions last season alone. That just gives you an idea of what you're up against. Not just the best teams, but biased refereeing, or so it seems at least. Um, so those are, those are the main things really to take into account. Um, as far as the division goes, it's, it's an interesting one. It's going to be, it's going to be um, anyone's game really. Every match is up for grabs. What you've got to do is you've got to sharpen up your game management as much as possible. You've got to make the very best out of every situation you get over this season. And if you can do that, then I believe you can survive and you, you can thrive in the division. Um, I'm predicting Brentford to survive. I'm going to go for 14th or 15th, actually. Um, I think you can do as well as that, which is a great start, to be honest, in the first division, uh, first season up. Um, I'm hoping and thinking that Brighton will survive as well, and I think we'll finish somewhere similar. The reason I don't think we can do better than that is because the one issue that we've had season on season is getting enough striking options in. We've had a shortfall in that department um, all the way through the Premier League era. Neil Morpay's great, of course, a player you know very well. But the problem we have got is we haven't got enough in depth. We got Danny Welbeck at the end of the window as a free agent last summer, and that was a good bit of business. But he's obviously got some injury issues he'll have. He can't play every game. We are missing another striker, and that's the main drawback, the main disappointment we've had from the summer. We've made some good signings. We've got in uh, a really good player in Enoch Mwepu, who's a Zambian international. He's a box-to-box -box midfielder. Um, we've already got Basuma, who's brilliant in that role, and um, well, more so as a defensive midfielder, but he can play anywhere, Basuma in the middle. But what you've got with Mwepo is someone who's probably better at doing the one thing that Basuma lacks at the moment, which is to score enough goals from midfield. That might be an interesting element. We might see him play at the weekend. Basuma you definitely will see, and he's the one to watch, of course. Um, but 
in terms of summer business, we've got Mwapo, who's called the computer because of his reading of the game. Um, he's going to be interesting. We've got him in nice and early, much later in the window on deadline day, I think it was. We've got in Mark Cucarilla, who is a Barcelona B and La Masia graduate. He's made his name up elsewhere. He was playing for Getafe, and we've signed him. He's a long-term target through the summer. We've signed him. He's a left-back, left-wing-back. It's a position we've needed to fill, and we've needed some more pace in the team. So I'm pleased with those bits of business. We've done some other stuff for developmental and for the future. Sima, who we've signed, um, who's come in and gone straight out on loan to Stoke. But I'm mainly disappointed with the striker business. That's been where we've lacked. Um, what to look out for for the weekend? We're playing you guys, of course. It's going to complete an interesting stat, by the way. It's going to mean that we've played you guys in every domestic English competition going when we line up against each other at the weekend. It's the only thing we haven't done is met in the top flight. We've both been there before. We've never been there at the same time. So that's going to be great. That's going to be a great occasion. And let's hope it's a great game. Um, I'm predicting in the game... From my point of view, what I would call an optimistic um, one-all or two-all draw in this match. I think there'll be goals. I think there'll be entertainment. I'm not confident we can get the three points. And I am worried you could. So it is a possibility. But I'm going to go with the score draw. Um, what you guys have got to look out for really is in terms of, um, well, it's a really good team. We've got, we do like, we play possession football. We generally pass it out from the back, but we have our ways of trying to negate teams that play the high press. So you've got to watch out for our, our ability to play long diags. Dunk and Webster are both very good at that. Our centre-backs, those two guys, along with Ben White last season, and a resurgent Shane Duffy after a poor spell at his uh, childhood supporting club of Celtic last season. He's come back in the fold. He's doing well, and he provides aerial presence in both boxes. But Dunk and Webster are the key players. They have their ball-playing centre-backs. They can play long diags. Webster is a man who can make driving runs and can make stuff happen further up the field. Dunk is our stalwart, our solid captain guy. Um, he's the last-ditch uh, blocks and challenges man. Those are the, um, the key attributes um, to our centre-back um, situation. But behind them, where we've improved is Matty Ryan was a good, a good goalkeeper for us. He joined us at the beginning of our Premier League campaign. Three years, he was the top man. In the fourth year, Robert Sanchez broke into the team ahead of him. Uh, I don't think Matty Ryan was too happy. He's moved on because he wants first-team football. But Robert Sanchez has provided, by replacing him, the one element that we were missing which allowed us to play football without Duffy, actually, when he was out last season. Um, Robert Sanchez dominates the box. He's become a Spanish international. He came through our graduate system, but he's just made his debut for the senior team. He was in the Euros for Spain as well, unplayed. He is a very big, big player. Pantera, they call him, the Panther. Well, I called him that, actually, first, and I think others have joined in. Um, he can really claim in the box. He's, he's dominant. He's an aerial presence. He's good with his distribution. He's good with his talking. He's probably a captain of the future. He's one to watch. Kukureya, the new signing as the left wing back, is, is, looks like a really good player. We've got Solly March, another homegrown boy who does well. He's a converted winger who now plays wing back. He's very good there. The other side, of course, Lamptey is the, is the great player for us, but he's been out on a long-term injury, hamstring injury. We have got Veltman, who's coming back into the team after COVID. Um, he should be back up to scratch now, and he will probably play at wing-back. And it's our defence we're most proud of. I think that's where our strength lies. We got a lot of clean sheets last season. Nobody really thrashed us last year. The worst we had was a 3-0 with Leicester. So keep that in mind. It will be difficult to beat us, but it's doable. 
Midfield, I've mentioned Basuma. He's a world-class player. He's so, so good. I'm just enjoying every minute that we've still got him because it won't be forever. In the meantime, you've got Mwepo who might play a part. You've got Pascal Gross. Beware the Pascal pirouette. He does a slow-motion Cruyff turn, which seems to fool players game after game after game. I don't know how he does it. Look out for that if he's playing, and he probably will. His assist rates, his, um, his crossing, his corners, he's the main man. He's, his stats are very good on that. He's good for the old fantasy football, actually. Um, Trossard, he blows hot and cold. Belgian international, he's predominantly a wide attacker. He can play as a 10. I think he's better wide. Um, he can blow hot and cold, but if he's on form, he can be a telling difference in games. One of the most magnificent moments in the last few seasons um, was last season when fans were allowed back in right at the end of the season. Um, last two sets of games, so each set of fans had one home match to go to. Ours was Man City, you might have seen it. We went 2-0 down, we came back to win 3-2. Trossard was amongst the stars in that match, and we came back to win 3-2. We finally cracked City, which was the biggest nemesis of us in the four years we've been in the Prem so far. So that's one to look out for. Um, Trossard could be interesting. Welbeck, of course, could play a part. And, of course, we all know about Neil Morpé. Le Petit, you know what house. Um, he's he's a wind-up merchant, of course. Billy, chatting to him during midweek, was telling us about his antics versus Leeds. He even did it last season for us against an empty stadium. And you might have him up to some antics against his old boys. Who knows? Either way round, I mean, I know you guys love him. We love him as well. He scored 10 goals in his first season, eight in his second, which was a bit of a disappointment. I think he lost some confidence for a while. But he's already come back strong this year. Two goals in the first two games. Um, Didn't get much service against Everton. All of those 20 goals, they've all come in the Premier League. So he's notching up a decent number. There's a lot more to come from him. We love him, but we know he can develop more. He is playing with more confidence. And I would suspect he might score against you guys. It's one of those things, isn't it? But I hope it's going to be an entertaining game. I'm really looking forward to the game. I've got the tickets. We're going to meet up with a load of mates. We're going to one of the pubs near the ground. Hopefully meet up with a load of Brentford fans because they're always welcoming. They're always top dollar. Absolutely love the Brentford supporters. One of my favourite away days in London is going to your grounds. Uh, looking forward to the new one, speaking of which, love Griffin Park in the old days. Looking forward to the new Griffin and um, and to a good game of football. Um, also, I've got to just mention the Sacker applause in that first game against Arsenal and the match in general. Absolutely top class, the way you gave Saka a reception when he came on the pitch for the opposition. That is the mark of you guys as supporters. I know not everyone's a nice person uh, at any club, but the majority of you guys, absolutely exemplary behaviour. And what, a, what an atmosphere. I'm looking forward to a similar atmosphere when we come to town. We do make a bit of noise. You obviously do as well from what we saw. So that's all stuff to look forward to. And I think that pretty much sums it up. So I'm going to go, as I said, for a one-all or a two-all draw. And um, we're going to try and dominate the game in terms of passing. We'll, we'll, our XG was, uh, along with the signings of strikers and awful decisions, uh, against us last season were the big disappointments if we can continue our creating our xg i think it's only a matter of probability that we'll score more goals um, we've started well can we carry on let's find out so looking forward to the game up the bees and up the albion so there you go graham from the brighton rock podcast and i guess it on his podcast as well he actually came down the road to the boozer down the road we sipped a few real owls and we just chatted about Brentford and Brighton and lots of other stuff as well. You should check it out on his Brighton Rock podcast. But thanks for that, Graham. And that was a very 
interesting insight on Brighton. But I'll tell you something, he's given us his insight, but I thought, tell you, it's not only his insight because we, both of our teams are statistical teams. You know, they've got Tony Blue, who used to be in, uh, in partnership with uh, Matthew Benham, and they do the same thing. You know, they've got the statistical models going on. The thing about it is that Brighton didn't uh, t- put it in a press release and tell the world, so no one actually really knows about it, but they do exactly the same thing that we do. So we thought we're going to wheel in Will, the spreadsheet winker, to give us a bit of a statistical rundown on Brighton. And he might even have a look back at the Villa game as well. Will, what are you saying? Spreadsheet So, what are the two main things that we can expect in our second home game this season? First, Brighton will likely create lots of big chances. They ended up with more than 1.5 XG in two out of three games so far this season. The question is really whether or not they will actually convert those chances. They created on average 1.65 XG per match last season, but only actually scored an average of 1.05 goals, a massive underperformance indicative of strikers who are just not clinical enough. The main aim for the B's defenders then will be to harass them as much as they possibly can, and as we've been so successful at doing so far, only Arsenal created more than one XG against us so far this year, stop their strikers getting in good areas to score. Second of all, Brighton's most recent game against Everton was very interesting to look at. They created a lot less than average, 0.77 XG to Everton's 1.5, and the XG that they did make was from lots of tiny chances. So what was the change then? It should be said that Everton's main provider of XG was a penalty, at 0.8, but they still managed to keep Brighton's attackers quiet. They seemed to do this by sitting back and soaking up pressure, pressing a lot less than Brighton did, with more than double the average number of passes allowed per defensive action. Everton only had 35% possession, but their four defenders worked very hard with 53 clearances of Brighton's 42 and winning 20% more aerial duels than Brighton did. If the B's defenders can match the same intensity against Brighton and we play with one more centre-back than Everton did, with players like Norgard and Janelt who can screen the defence, then we'll do well to shut up Neil Mopé and company on Saturday. So there you go, Will, the spreadsheet winker. And he's... he's He's highlighted the thing that I'm a little bit nervous of about Brighton. I know that I said it's a must-win game, but I also know it's going to be very difficult. They've created over 1.5 XG, as he said, in the, in the two games they've won. So they create some, basically some really, really good chances. Um, obviously, Everton they played, and Everton just, you know, they were just very good, and they just beat them hands down. But in the other two games, they've created some very, very good chances. They create great chances. They don't always put them in the back of the net. So that's the, that's the, that might be the kind of thing that maybe may let us off, or it might be the, the thing that kills us with with Brighton but um, we, we're going to have to be definitely on our guard listen just to give you a little bit of a, a lowdown as to where Brighton stand here they're, they're good at attacking set pieces they're strong at that they're strong at shooting from direct free kicks they're, they're, they're strong at attacking down the wings you know they create chances through individual skills so they've got great skillful players you know they're, they're good at coming back from losing positions so even if you go ahead we need to be on the ball they're good at defending set pieces they're good at protecting the lead they're good at stealing the ball from the opposition so that's where they're good at and and their weaknesses are are stopping the opponents from creating chances as well and, and defending against long shots so Overall, they're actually a, a, a good side. You know, they play short passes. They, they play mainly down Rico Henry's side. They love possession football and playing in their own half. So it's going to be a toughie, isn't it, Laney? Yeah, it's going to be a real toughie. Fair play to Brighton. 
they're a couple of seasons at least ahead of us in their evolution. Uh, in Graham Potter, they've got an exceptional coach and an exceptional manager. Uh, they, yeah, they're, they're true. They're as you say, they're, they're they're out of a similar mould to us, but they got to the prem and they've stayed in the prem uh, for for longer. Um, so we we we're, we're playing catch up to them. Uh, they they struggled. They 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 had a really good season, or, or you know, but they they they've been in that bottom half. Um, and they've they flirted with relegation certainly last season. They seem better equipped this year, um, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing more pay. Um, is, is another player that left us with with very you know with, not with our blessing as such, but you know on on a good on, we left on good terms. Um, and I know Morpay is used to shit housing, and I, and I hope that he's got the manners not to try and do that against us. I don't think he will. I think he's another one that will tip his hat, and he'll and he'll thank us for allowing him to progress and get to the prem. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking for as much as I you know I dreaded seeing Ollie Watkins. Um, I'm kind of dreading seeing Morpay as well, but you know it will be good to see him too. And uh, GP, I mean, your thoughts, Brighton. I mean, you've seen their strengths and their weaknesses, and uh, and what they're like. What's your thinking? Oh, no, well, you know, to echo Dave's point, uh, well, you know, it's, you always sit there, and you you know, you've been wishing um, more pay well, but I can see him doing a full heel turn on Saturday. I think we'll come out of there, the, you know, knowing how all those other teams felt to play against him. But I mean, as we said before, I really do think this is a must-win for us. Uh, we've got to get those points on the board early before we get into what happens you get into the winter people get injured it just becomes a slog and if you've got to fight for points in the middle of that slog it's not the best so for Saturday to be honest from your from your description you know that they look like they're good going forward but they don't it's not as if they've scored they've scored a huge amount of goals I don't think um so I don't really see them score. I don't really see them scoring many. We're going to have opportunities based on what you've just said. We're going to have opportunities, and this is one of those where people like uh, and Buemo and Tony. This, these are the games where they need to step up and put the ball in the goal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, listen. We both. I think we're both similar sides. You know, both create similar type of chances. It's just whoever takes the chances. You know, I'm hoping that you know the chances that they missed. Uh, in the previous matches, they don't rack them up and all of a sudden they put them all in the back of the net when it comes to sort of kind of, you know, sample size and all this kind of stuff that the stats people say, you know, and they, 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 they sort of kind of make the amends in this match. Like I said to you, they've got players, like I said, Neil Malpay, you know, we've got um, Adam Lalana as well, who we've, who we've known from back in the day. It wasn't, doesn't seem to have had actually a great season as well. Then we've got, you know, Lewis Dunk, who's always been a bit of an nemesis for us as well, the old Dunkster. Um, their goalkeeper Sanchez as well seems to have actually uh, been someone who's been pulling a few things out of the hat for them. So he's actually been having a, a great season, for, for, you know, very much like, you know, for us as well, you know. So... <sighs> I don't know what else we can say. I mean, I'm going to go around the table here and I think it's just easier for you to express how you think we're going to do by giving a score prediction, Laney. Um, we are due a defeat, but I don't think it's going to come on Saturday. Um, it's up to the Brentford fans to create an incredible atmosphere at New Griffin Park. We need to get to the pubs early, have a couple of cold drinks lubricate lubricate our vocal cords and absolutely make the stadium a fortress the players can come out and do their stuff we're going to win 
3-1. Oh, this was controversial. And talking about the pubs as well, if you check out besotted.com, Ian Westbrook does his guide every single home game as well. He's got the Brighton guide. He's just ready to go. He'll be out there live on Friday and it's giving you the lowdown on Brighton. It's giving all the podcasts, all the information as well, but also it's giving us and it's giving you all the pubs to go to. The pubs in the area, which are in the Cubridge area, in the Brentford area, in all the different areas. So go and check that out, besotted.com as well. GP, are you going to go as bonkers as Lady is and go for a 3-1 or something like that? I'm not. My heart says we're going to win 2-1. Uh, well, I, I feel we're definitely going to go ahead in this game. However, I have a nice suspicion that Brighton are going to come from behind and snatch a point at the new place. So, so you've gone for what? What are you going for? So, I'm going for one-one. Oh. So, you're going for one-all? Yeah, afraid so. I just one. have this nasty suspicion. Right. Okay. So he's gone for a draw, which is you know, like I say, we're still edging away up there as well. And for me. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, oh God, I'm gonna go for it again, and I'm just gonna go and nudging for a one-nil. Bees win on this one as well. I'm just trying to say that you know we need to keep our head um, above the water for now, so that will do it for now, and just take the pressure off a little bit. So I'm going for one-nil bees win, which is uh, which is not bad. So listen, you know, still all positive. We've come for a great one. We're getting some really good plaudits from people as well. All the people I'm talking to, everyone, you know, more people know Brentford than they do uh, six months ago. I could tell you that for much because people are going to us. Oh, my God. I remember now you support Brentford. You've had a great start to the season, which is good. And I've always said it's only three games in. You know, it's very early days. So I think we're keeping ourselves level-headed. But this has been a good little catch-up. Um, listen, first of all, I'm going to say, don't forget Kofi. Thanks very much to everybody who has supported us and helped us out. We are going through it and we are going to come back and we're going to just talk to you and come up with loads of stuff. We've been taking a little bit of a break the last few weeks because even though we've only had three games, it's been a bit full-on the first three weeks of being in the Premier League. It has to be said, but we say that we thank you all very much for your donations. Just helping us out. Besotted.com forward slash beer thanks for helping us out on that one as well don't forget to subscribe to us on all good podcast channels we're still trying to turn off the advertising we don't i put in another note in today said please turn off the manscaping but um but it hasn't quite happened as yet but we're still working on that because it's really it's annoying us as well and i'm sure it's annoying a lot of you as well so we'll see about that but other than that like i said we've got t-shirts out there you know brentford premier league t-shirts go and check that out besotted.com nope. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that my name is billy grant i've had a great evening here i'm going to go and turn to the england game now i didn't go to poland but a lot of my mates did go to poland they went to hungary and they went over to poland as well so I'm going to check out to see how that game's going to get on and hopefully they get back in one piece uh, tomorrow when they come back but listen I've had a great evening I'm very excited about the Brentford game on Saturday we're going to play Brighton and then we've got the lads in the house Laney yes good evening and we've got GP good night gentlemen Good night, gentlemen. And I'll say good night myself, Billy Grant, as well as we say. We're going to be excited. We've got Brian in the house. Come and see someone. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans